Well, howdy, partner. Well, hello, stranger. What brings you here? Same as you, I reckon. Yeah? Here to review a movie? What? No, I'm here to watch that guy. I creepily study his entire life. Oh, you must mean the dude. That's right, the dude. You're not here for the dude, are you? I'm here to review a movie about the dude. Well, good, just so long as you ain't a mythical cowboy narrator, then we'll get along just fine. Otherwise, we're gonna slap iron. The whole world gone crazy! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, isn't it, Steve? Uh, Yeah, I would say its reputation is very good. Didn't start that way, but a lot of reviewers (laughs) changed their reviews over the years, haven't they? It is one of those movies that like people took a second look at and they were like, actually, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Ebert, like Roger Ebert, who gave it three stars. And then 10 years later, he said, you know what? I don't understand why so many people keep bringing up this movie from 12 years ago. And he watched it again and, and moved, changed his review to four stars. And a lot of reviewers have done that. Um, what he, movie? Could... He made it one of his great movies. Yeah. That's uh, right. it, it is the 1998 kind of sort of film noir, but not really. Neo-noir. <laughs> um, neo-noir um comedy i've heard heard people call it a western Uh -uh. uh-uh ah yeah i don't think that quite fits no it's definitely it's definitely they saw a a cowboy and they got confused (laughs) it's a private eye movie it's not a cowboy movie but uh, yeah it's the big lebowski hooray the big lebowski we've been trying to review this thing for fucking ever thank christ we get to watch we get to watch that big lebowski and we get to review it because i know what's coming i know what's yeah i know what's I know what's over the hill around the bend. I know. I know what nightmares are prepared for us. It's it's the dark stranger now. In case you guys <laughs> don't know, we missed our Valentine's Day episode. And so da- Daddy Jason has decided to punish everyone. Have a nice day. Including me. To make up. Yeah. And the audience. To make well, up for and you and up. everybody. Yeah. That's right. We so all must suffer. We're going to. We're going to quote unquote celebrate valentine's in march with you'll you'll see stay just to wait the till end the to end find out. oh boy hey steve <laughs> <Wait. do> you, <laughs> yes do you have any oh i remember breaking the news to you over the you uh, texted me yeah i texted yeah. you did you call me a monster i can't remember i, I like being called a monster it's fun <laughs> Well, you earned it that time. Yes, I did. Hey, Steve. And you're, yeah. Do you have yeah, buddy. any trivia for the Big Lebowski? I do have some trivia for the Big Lebowski. Hooray. I sure do. Go for it. Did Did you know yes. that despite apparently his entire life centering heavily around bowling, yes. we never actually see the dude bowl in the film? That's right. He, we don't. Except for when he's doing a little bit of bowling in the, one of the fantasy sequences he has when he gets knocked out. Oh, that out. doesn't count because that's a fantasy that sequence. Yeah, that's a fantasy sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, this one, I thought this one was funny. Uh, so there's there's a really funny line, a really funny scene in the movie where the dude professes to hate the music of the Eagles. That's right. Um, and apparently this was so upsetting 
to Glenn Fry, oh, no. founding member of the Eagles, <laughs> that yes. he 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 confronted Jeff Bridges about it at a party and was apparently oh, kind of pissed off. So I don't know if he thought that Jeff Bridges wrote that was line, the dude or that like he was a real Drift, yeah, it's like you know it's he's just an actor. But like did did. Were, were people mad at like Bruno Gons after he played Hitler? Yeah, I mean, like, you know come that, on, Glenn, you know that wasn't you, me, right? <laughs> you do know that this was a fictional movie and that that's a character who doesn't like the music. How come you're yeah. like, yeah, the cab driver is right? Because the cab driver kicks him out of the cab because he doesn't like Yeah, the yeah, he should like that. It's like the, the dude, this guy was standing up to the dude. Fuck you, I love the Eagles. Get out of my cab. Like that's a heroic triumph for an Eagles fan, right? Does, or does he truly believe that drugged out losers should love the eagles <laughs> yes do you re- do you want the dude to represent your typical fan mm-hmm. is that what you think unemployed <laughs> okay keep yeah. going this trivia is okay. great so um after he first read the script jeff bridges uh jokingly asked the cohen's if they had hung out with him in high school and he just forgot about it <laughs> because the uh, because the character of the dude was so similar to himself, especially when he was younger. Um, however, the dude is one of the few major characters in the film who the Coens did not write with a particular actor in mind. No, they didn't. Um, they knew they wanted John Goodman. They knew they wanted Steve Buscemi. They, oh, they yeah, had they a did. lot of specific actors Actually, in mind for the role. Actually, that's not, there is yeah. one person in my section of this goddamn okay. movie review show. All right, fine. Well, then I'll leave it. Then I'll just, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you. But, but they, uh, the, the dude is based on a guy that they knew, like a real guy. Well, there's like um, several guys, isn't there? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of characters that are based. Yeah. John Goodman's guy is based on a real guy too. Um, yeah. But, uh, but there's a guy, there was a guy who was the basis for the dude. And so they weren't thinking like we should get Jeff Bridges to play him. They were writing based on the real guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just so happens that Jeff Bridges read it and was like, was this about me? <laughs> um, no, it wasn't, but it just so happened that it mm-hmm. meshed perfectly. So um, the style of sweater that the dude wears in the film uh, was actually out of production in 1998 when the movie That's was right. released. It was. And but wasn't it, it Jeff Bridges' yeah. own sweater? I think so. Yeah. A lot of the dude's clothes were or Jeff his Bridges'. his clothes. He would clothes. just wear yeah. them home because they were yeah. his. Yeah. And so as a result of this movie, that sweater got so popular that the company Pendleton Westerly brought it back and released it as part of a new line that they called the dude collection. Oh dear. So fucking capitalism. And it's like, you know, the dude probably got that at like a thrift store. Yeah. (laughs) Like he didn't go to like a designer shop and buy it. He probably found it outside it in a trash can and was like oh cool sweater on the road (laughs) walking to the supermarket to pick up some more half and half he just saw it laying there (laughs) he was like all right free sweater awesome fuck man awesome uh okay okay one one more and this this is something that this is something that they they do in the movie a couple of times and that the co the coens actually do this from time to time in their movies uh other than this but it's one of my favorite little quirks of theirs where um, okay in 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 the the movie there's a a tv show branded that walter mentions and that that becomes kind of a a minor plot point because they go to the, the writer's house and stuff but anyway so um branded is a real show Yes, it is. But none of the information that we hear about it in the movie is accurate. 
No. <laughs> um, Arthur Digby Sellers, who is the guy whose house they go to, who Walter describes as the writer for the bulk of the show, mm -hmm. is a fictional character. He, he, no one by that name ever worked on the real branded. And Walter also indicates that the show ran for at least 156 episodes because that's how many that this writer supposedly mm -hmm. wrote. In reality, branded was on for two seasons and there were only 48 episodes. That's right. So they take something real and then they and make they up a whole bunch it. of fictional shit about it. Mm -hmm. And they put, I, and I just, I think that's a really cool. Or they take know, something sort of, that's wholly fiction and convince people that it's real. Oh, they, by, they, by yes. putting at the front of their movie, this is based on a true story. If like Fargo. Ain't. Like Fargo. Yeah, it's like, nope, we made all of this up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this ain't based on nothing. <laughs> so that's it. That's my trivia. Hooray! Now it's my turn to tell you all about the people who made it. You ready? Joel and Ethan Cohen. That's it. I'm done. You know them. <laughs> you know them. They've done tons of movies that you like, like Fargo, or maybe movies you've never seen, like Barton Fink, or really epic movies that'll, Jesus, we need to do soon, like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Uh, Raising Arizona. I mean, they sometimes they're they make good. real stinkers, but they're very good. It's a high batting average. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. but because, you know, Hollywood is nothing but a bunch of rules, right? Nothing bad ever happens to Holly in Hollywood because they have rules. And one of, of the course. rules is you can only at the time you can only put one person down as director. And so right. it says directed by Joel Cohen. Both of them directed it. They now have gotten past that, so you can put down two directors. Yeah, it was written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. They're brothers. You guys, I've gone through this before. Produced by Ethan Cohen, <laughs> but also Joel Cohen because you own rules. Because yeah, because one of them, yeah, exactly. They mm -hmm. both did both jobs, but only one of them could get the credit. Yeah. If only they had rules for not molesting children or terrorizing women or any of the other heinous, nasty things, but. At least we have rules for the credits of our films, right? <laughs> yes, at least two people couldn't take credit for directing a movie <laughs> until recently. Thank God for that. Starring Jeff Bridges is Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Guess who they wanted before Jeff? Guess. Oh, boy. I don't. Uh, Geth? Geth. Uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be the dude. No, it. It was Mel Gibson. Oh, my God. Thank and I God. said, what? <laughs> <laughs> thank God Jeff Bridges got the job. Oh, my God. Uh, also starring John Goodman as Walter Subcheck. You know who he is and what he's been in. Coen Brothers movies. Uh, yep. Juliana Moore as Maude Lebowski. And you know her from the Jurassic, one Jurassic Park movie she did. And mm -hmm. also, was she in Magnolia? She was in Magnolia. She was in Magnolia. She, she was the in breakdown in the he has the yeah. breakdown in the pharmacy and she was in boogie yeah. nights. She, she she gets fucked in that. And uh what else? Uh that's it. Uh shortcuts. Shortcuts. Oh, that's shortcuts. Yeah. Steve Buscemi as Donnie Curb. Oh god. He only hears his name once in the movie. Karabatsos. Yeah. And you know, Steve Buscemi's, you know, been tons of art films and he was in boardwalk empire and you know everyone knows and he was also in barton fink and i suppose barton fink's gonna have to be a birthday movie for me because i don't think that many people know <laughs> it or consider it a classic um david huddleston as jeffrey the big lebowski and you you saw him in blazing saddles and a ton of television and bit so parts many and other movies he was hey, he was kevin arnold's grandfather on the wonder years sure you know who they wanted? Who? I don't know. 
the first person they offered it to was Robert Duvall, but he didn't like the script. Oh, wow. Really? Then they offered it to Anthony Hopkins, who was not interested in playing an American. <laughs> Good for you, Anthony. Um, then Gene Hackman. Oh, my God. Who only didn't do it because he was taking a break from acting at the time. That's and true. He quote unquote retired. After it answers my question. How could this be a better movie? Put Gene Hackman in it. Uh, as the Gene big Hackman, Gene Hackman didn't do nearly enough comedy. He was so no, he didn't. He's funny. really good at it. He's really He's so good funny. At it. Yeah, Norman Mailer. Oh my God! Second only for me personally for Gene Hackman, George C. Scott. That would have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been good. Gore Vidal. Jesus Christ! Were they offering it to everybody? That seems like <laughs> it. Jesus and Christ! Andy Griffith. <laughs> I could kind of see that. William F. Buckley. Oh, my God. And Ernest Borgnine. But you know what their top choice was and would have been what? the perennial mistake for them? I Marlon know. Brando. He, couldn't, <sighs> yeah, I, he yeah. couldn't do it because of health reasons. But yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't really no. see Brando as the no. big Lebowski. Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brandt. Then you knew him from The Master and a ton of, you know, indie films and from one of the Mr. Yeah. Impossible films and... You know, you know, he died because he got back on the drugs. And but he's I'm, hilarious in this. He's hilarious in this. He's a fantastic actor. He was in Sindichoni Schenectady. He was in Schenectady. Schen- I'm still, yeah. I'm still calling it Schenectady. I don't Schenectady. Give, yeah, I don't care. Schenectady. I don't care. It's Schenectady. It's a poetic device. I don't fuck poem poetry. <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with movies. I watch movies so I don't have to read poetry. <laughs> Tara Reed as Bunny Lebowski, and she was in all the American Pie films, and I think Sharknado. Sam Elliott mm. is the stranger, and you know him yeah. from most recently The Star Is Born and The Hulk. Or I'm sorry, Tombstone, Hulk, just Hulk, just Tombstone. Hulk, where he was the best General Ross. All apologies to William Hurt, but it's true. Sure, I guess. <laughs> David Thewlis is Knox Harrington. He was the, the bad guy in Wonder Woman and a bunch of bit part. You've seen him in everything. He's yeah. Um, ben Gazar is Jackie Treehorn, and he's been in everything. He's an old timey actor. A lot of these guys are not in this movie for terribly long. John Turturro. Yeah, they have like one scene. As Jesus Quintana has two scenes and I think a total of twelve lines. I think that's it. But you'll but boy, remember him. Yes, you do. <laughs> he may, he makes the most. And he was in Barton Fink and Transformers and tons and tons and tons of movie. And if I could go back in time and cast the Super Mario Brothers, I think I would cast him as Luigi. Oh, sure. He'd be great as Luigi. He'd be great. Um, Peter Stormare, Torsten Vogts, and Flea as the um, fucking nihilists. Fuck it. The German nihilists. Autobahn. Peter Stormare has been in fucking everything. Uh, Flea, not so much, and I don't give a shit about Torsten Vogts. Um, but those are the three nihilists. John Polito as Dafino, and uh, <laughs> he's been in tons and tons and tons of movies and TV. Um, but you probably know him best as um, I can't remember his character's name, but in Homicide Life on the Streets, yeah, Crossetti. Yeah. Crossetti, thank you. Philip Moon and Mark Pellegrino as Treehorn's thugs. And Jimmy Dale Gilmore as Smokey. Again, how many lines does he have? Who knows? Five? <laughs> I, I, yeah, a handful. 
a handful. <laughs> Cinematography by Roger Deakins, and you know him from Coen Brothers movies, Sam Mendes movies, and Dennis Villeneuve. Den- Denise? No, it's De- it's Denise. It's whatever his name is. Denise. The guy, the guy who did Villeneuve. Yeah, the guy who did Dune. Edited by Roderick, Roderick James. Hey, Steve, who's Roderick yeah. James? Who is that? Oh, that's the Coen brothers. That's the Coen brothers. <laughs> that's just Joel and Ethan Coen pretending to be one man for the credit for their credits. Yeah. And also Trisha Cook, who's married to Ethan Coen. So, you know, I hope they didn't get into too many arguments or editing the movie. And I had to carry that home. Kids had to hear <laughs> their parents fucking scream at each other in the kitchen. They fought so much during the editing of Lebowski. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Music by Carter Burwell, and he does good movies and mostly Cohen films, doesn't he, Steve? Yeah. Oh, he's a fan. Yeah, one of the great modern film composers for mm-hmm. sure. He's a genius. Yeah. Yep. Production company working title films distributed by Gramercy Pictures and Polygram Filmed Entertainment. That was international. Release date March 6, 1998. Huh. They 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 did it in the late winter in March. They didn't know where to put it. They didn't know where to put it. <laughs> Like, it's not so bad that we're dropping it in January, but what we don't know where else is, to put it. What is this? <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Running time, 117 minutes. Budget, 15 million. Adjusted for inflation, 27.5 million. Box office, 46.7 million or $85.7 million. So it made its money back, but it was not the bang. Big, huge hit that everyone thought it would be just like Fargo. Yeah. They thought, oh, why can't it be like Fargo? Why can't they make all the money like Fargo did? I bet a lot of people were asking that. Like, why'd you have to make one that was so different? Why couldn't you just do another Fargo? Why'd you have to make a goofy one right after Fargo? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right, Steve, you ready? I'm ready, buddy. You ready to run into the world of the LA? Yeah. And I remember in 1998. Magical early 90s LA. I remember watching it and I was like, why is this set like five years prior to current date? How is that instructive to the film that it's being set during the Gulf War? It's 1998. All you have to do is move it up five years. It's not that big of a deal. I didn't get it when I watched it. I still liked it, but I didn't get it. But are you ready to run into the early 90s? Boy, I'm in my early 20s. I'm so young and still full of hope. I haven't been beaten yeah. down, jaded yeah. and cynical. Now knowing, knowing back then, I loved movies. And I loved, I loved the, the, the industry that made them. I was so naive and fucking stupid. I wish I could go back in time and just punch me right in the mouth. And say, you dumb motherfucker. You should, you should not look up to these fucking monsters. Uh, anyway, these aren't monsters that made this movie, fingers crossed. Let's hope not. We never know what will come out any second. It could be like the Coens, you know, fucking slaughtered children every time they made a movie. And we'll be like, oh, oh, no. They had their own island. (laughs) Oh, no. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready, too. So let's me and you run happily into the big (laughs) Lebowski. Steve, take it away. Ah, the tumbling tumbleweed. Ah, the vineyards in France. (laughs) I mean, the tumbling tumbleweed. Oh, boy, if only Orson was around to do a a, a co-narration with Sam Elliott. Oh, that would be great. (laughs) That would be the the two of them sitting at the bar in the bowling alley, just taking turns, (laughs) waxing poetic about the dude. One on each side. (laughs) 
Or Orson Welles refusing to even wear what they suggest. He's wearing that gigantic black hat with the black cape. Yeah, from F is for fake. He just shows up in his F is for fake costume. He's just that. I every time I picture him, that's how I picture him. Yeah. Is wearing that outfit. Like, yeah, you know, the shadow went to seed and just fucker. <laughs> I'm going to hypnotize everyone and raid the refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, you we, know, we get a, a tumble. Up, what would you like? Yes. What do you have in a 47? I'm looking for a Chardonnay. What goes <laughs> what goes well with this chicken that I have hidden in my cloaks? And he just plops it down. <laughs> uh, I love looks, him so. Looks like you have chicken to spare there. I don't. Uh, seems like it'd be more polite to share it would wouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) he just takes him holds the entire chicken in his hands and just takes a big hunk out of it um all right anyway we're in the sadly that is not the case yeah we're there's a tumbleweed rolls up a hill and at the top of the hill we look down and there spread before us is los angeles the city of angels Los Angeles. And then the tumbleweed rolls through the city. Yeah. And yeah. And as it rolls through the city, we get narration from Sam Elliott, who is uh, sort of leading up to telling us about the main character. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's kind of waxing philosophical and talking about Los Angeles and talking about, you know, the, the, the early 90s when it takes place. And he's like, you know, sometimes there's a man. I won't say a hero, but sometimes there's a man. Mm-hmm. And, and he says it several to, times. Yeah. And I love the way this ends because he gets lost in his own narration. Yeah, he, he kind of rambles on and loses his train of thought. He loses his train <laughs> but, of thought, yeah. says it out loud. You know, he says this is a story about a uh, about a man. And yeah. he says that he's glad that he heard it because then he can die happy with a smile on his face, knowing not thinking that the Lord had, had gypped him, I think is what he said. Something like right. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and so we cut to the inside of a grocery store yep. and uh a Ralph's Ralph's and uh he's and the, the the narrator says this is the story of one of the laziest men in LA oh, which yeah. puts him pretty high on the list of laziest people <laughs> yes, worldwide. It does. <laughs> but he was also the right man for his place and time and that's where mm-hmm. we first see the dude and the dude is walking into the dairy section to buy some half and half which he, he opens, opens and samples in the aisle. <laughs> We see and him he at pays the for it with a check. We not only we see him, yeah, he pays. I think it's a total of sixty-nine cents. He's writing yes. a check. He still have has half and half in his mustache. In his mustache, yeah. He goes home and he gets accosted by a couple of thugs that rush him into his bathroom and dunk his head in the toilet. Yeah. And technically his first real line of dialogue is in response because the guy who's dunking his head is constantly saying, where's the money Lebowski? And he yeah. dunks him and he dunks him. And what does Lebowski say? <laughs> he take, he, they pull him up out of the toilet and he says, oh, it's got to be down there. Can I have another look? <laughs> now, I'm going to say this for people who mistake this for a Western just because there's a cowboy in it. That line is a a fucking Humphrey Bogart line. Oh, absolutely. That is a Humphrey Bogart line. Well, it's got to be down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Yeah. This is a neo-noir. Yeah. Something that the Coens have done over and over and over again. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Sometimes, uh, I mean, they, sometimes without even trying to disguise it, but oh, often no. they do it, you know, they, they do it like, like this where it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's obvious if you pay attention, but it's not like, you know, they, then they, they've also done it where it's literally like, no, it's obvious. This is what they're doing. Like with the, the man who wasn't there, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, okay, no, they're just, they're doing a, a, a film noir and they yeah. don't, and they're not, they're not trying to disguise it this time they're not being cute about it that's just what it is but mm -hmm. this time that's what it is too but there's some other stuff on top eventually of the thugs tell him you owe jackie treehorn money about no your wife owns your jackie wife. treehorn bunny owes jackie treehorn money and you better that means you owe him money you better pay it and he's like dude do you, well, <laughs> I, don't I don't have it. a wife do you see a fucking ring on this finger and then we wait for the lead thug's memory to reboot because they're mm. so fucking stupid. And they go, hey, isn't this guy supposed to be really, really rich? And they're like, yeah, this guy's a loser. And then one of them takes a piss on his rug. Mm -hmm. His favorite rug. Breaks some tile. They, they take out his bowling ball from his bowling bag and drops it down onto the floor, breaking tiles. And then they leave. And we're like, oh, okay. And then we get the credits. Yeah. Which is some loving um, cinematography of a bowling alley and people bowling. Yep. And, and uh, I would love to be just and, yeah. one of those dudes in that. I don't need dialogue. If I could be in a movie, I would love to be one of the bowling dudes just because <laughs> every single one of them has a certain amount of character to them mm -hmm. and it's great. But eventually we get to Donnie and Donnie, yeah. Donnie has bowled a strike. He comes back. No one gives a shit <laughs> because, yep. because the dude is complaining <laughs> Okay, guys, we're just going to, there's no way to replicate this dialogue because these three actors together are just doing a magnificent performance. Whenever these three are together, it's fun. Not only is it hilarious, but the dialogue is looser, mm -hmm. right? The way they're talking, because they're, uh, they're kind of over talking a little bit. Donnie is clueless. Yeah. <laughs> constantly asking questions. Um and the way they acknowledge each other and interact with each other is is one of the main things about this movie because they come back to this time after time mm -hmm. after time. Um, but we get that the dude is has a bowling team which consists of Walter. Please describe Walter Steve. Um, well, it's John Goodman with a flat top haircut and a chin strap beard, and he which he fought by is, the way. He wanted a which yeah. he wanted a full beard for him, but yeah. Well, because we we mentioned uh, other characters besides the dude are based on real people. Um, yeah, Walter is based on John Milius, who is right. a film a real film director, yeah. and that's so his look is inspired by the look of John Milius, mm. and um. Which is cargo and shorts, yeah, a tactical yeah, vest, attack vest, uh, and he always every, every, and he he has this superpower that allows him to make every conversation about Vietnam if it goes right. on long enough. That's right. Um, yeah. Or or being Jewish. That's true. Yes, because mm. yes, he's very he is deeply devoted to his Judaism, and he and he is and Vietnam was apparently the defining experience of his life. So. And it's still questionable if he ever went. And he may not have actually gone to Vietnam. That's right. That's yeah. right. But yeah. um, dude's relating what happened to his rug. Dude says, uh, what does he say? He said, he, he says the word Chinaman to describe the man 
who peed on his rug. Yes, the Chinaman who peed on my rug, and Walter corrects him. Walter is deep, and he's trying to give him, you know, he's trying to tell him philosophically about how this is important, and the, like mid-sentence, he goes, and dude, Chinaman is not the correct nomenclature for this yeah. period. <laughs> you should say Asian-American. And Donnie's just chiming in with Somebody peed on your rug, dude. <laughs> I mean, he yeah, Donnie have... is always Donnie's always like a minute behind in the conversation. That's He's always right. asking shit. Which He's inf- asking about shit they were done talking about. Yeah, which infuriates Walter every Donnie, time. Donnie, you're he, out of your element. Donnie, you're <laughs> out of your element. Shut up. <laughs> but Walter comes up with the fact that they're missing the point. That he's missing the point about it. The outrage wasn't that his rug had been peed on the outrage was was that there was another jeff lebowski right and that was technically his rug that they were peeing on and he should be getting something back right right yeah the dude the dude should go find the other lebowski and get him to pay for the rug because it was his exactly exactly and so we cut to the the lebowski mansion we uh cut to a scene of uh, uh the dude looking at looking at his own reflection and i think it's a lion's club plaque yeah. or something like that where he's a member of the year and we meet uh brant his fucking smithers <laughs> yes exactly that's yeah, the big lebowski smithers is brant right. and he is yeah yeah and he's like overjoyed. He, he's very he's yeah. unfailingly polite unfailingly patient with the dude you know mm-hmm. he's not like he's being he sometimes he's a dick but in a very subtle very smiling kind of way yeah you know it's yeah he's he's great um but he's taking a look at all of the people that he's been in, like pictures of him with you know nancy reagan and they mentioned the uh what are they the little lebowski achievers yeah yeah which is it's charitable organization that he oversees and then we meet quote unquote because this is a war title the big lebowski right and he's a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's an older guy he's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. he's a he's a, like stereotypical rich asshole the dude mm-hmm. comes in and he's like why is it my problem whenever somebody pisses on a rug in los angeles like what's it got to do with me and and the dude's like um, being calm he's like no you got this all turned around see they thought i was you and they peed on my rug and so you should and he's like he starts calling him what a loser and a yeah and uh you know he he asks him if he's employed why don't you get a job is that how you dress to a job interview like do you speak english and uh the dude leaves and he tells brant yeah he told me to take whatever rug i want and so he picks out a rug (laughs) and as they're leaving they run into bunny mrs lebowski yes and she's 10 i don't know how old she's supposed to be she's young she's she's young she's like not quite lolita young Mm-hmm. but like Lolita graduated from high school young, maybe. Yeah. Um, and she's yeah. painting her toenails green and yes. she says, blow my toe, blow, blow them to make them dry. And he turns and looks in the pool. And there we see, uh, I can't remember his actual name, but I'm going to call him Carl Hungus. Cause that's the name of the porno. We that's find out about the porno later. actor. Yeah. The porno name. Yeah. Yeah. And the Peter Stormare guy. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, he doesn't care. He's a nihilist. And I was like, okay. Then bunny says, I'll suck your dick for a thousand dollars. Brant Brant can watch, but he has to pay a hundred. Brant has the best reaction to that ever, where oh, he tries to funniest, pass it off as 
Yeah. Oh, we the love her. The funniest laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's good. And so they leave and we're back to bowling. And Walter has brought his ex-wife's dog. How long have they been divorced? Five years. That's where right. does where does he pick up all of his identification for being Jewish from his ex-wife? Yes, so, that one of the funniest payoffs that we didn't even know we were waiting for. It's that's like right. very, very late in the film. It comes out. It's in the last actually, drive to Lebowski's. Yeah. yeah. It's like actually Walter's not even Jewish. He converted for his now ex-wife, mm -hmm. but he is still just an incredibly observant Jew. It's but fucking hilarious. halfway through halfway through his discussion, he suddenly stops and he screams over the line at a competing because yeah. there uh, there is a tournament. At, they're they're all at Smokey. Yeah, yeah, they're all trying to get into the semifinals, and Smokey is this long-haired dude, and he's like, "No, I wasn't over the line. Market is eight. And Walter is like, no, you're going to market. You're going to market as 10. And Smokey is like, no, I wasn't over the line. Market is eight. So what does Walter do, Steve? Oh, oh, he does this thing where he pulls a gun <laughs> and points at a Smokey's face. A loaded gun. A and loaded he says, gun. Does, and he Doesn't yeah. anyone believe in the fucking rules anymore? <laughs> and he is, he is in the middle of this crowded bowling alley. He is screaming. Oh, yeah. Oh, pointing yeah. a gun at this guy and the dude is like walter they're, calm down they're gonna they're call calling, the cops no he they're literally calling, says they're calling, they're calling the cops man. they're calling the cops calm down man and um which Smoking. again leads to a hilarious payoff where yeah. like they eventually Smokey backs down and says all right fine and then later on they're leaving the bowling alley mm -hmm. and as 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 the dude and walter are getting into their getting into dude's car you see the cops the showing cops up in the background after. <laughs> it's oh, while they're yeah. talking Dude yeah. comes back to his apartment. He's got his rug. Uh, the dude makes what used to be my favorite drink. And, you know, I don't drink all that much, but I will drink this right. at Christmas time, which is a yeah. white Russian, also called a white a Caucasian. Russian. It was my favorite drink. because it It's a good drink. Like, it's like candy. Yeah. I was overjoyed to see yeah. that the main character, that's the, his only drink, really. Yeah, and, that, and that's really the only thing other, other than sitting in a bowling alley talking with his friends. Like the only thing he ever mm. does is if, if there is ever any opportunity to make himself a drink he immediately yep. makes himself a white russian <laughs> yeah we cut back we we're, we're at his house he's got his rug and his landlord politely notes no that he's i don't know how many months behind on rent and also to yeah. remind him that he's doing his cycle and where it's going to be and he'd love it if he was going to be there and that's it and i wish to god that was every landlord on the face of the earth yes but that was the most of they're like oh by the way you're behind on rent oh and come see my thing right <laughs> come see my dance recital <laughs> he's doing some sort of zen thing while drinking and he gets a call done me yep and it's brant and he says hey listen it's not about the rug you stole it's something mm -hmm. else so he, we're gonna send you a limo and mr lebowski wants to see you and mr lebowski is sitting by a fireplace he asks the philosophic question do strong men cry god i hate this character so much he is so well done especially when you find out at oh, the end the oh. truth about him yeah yeah mm -hmm. but it turns out what happened <gasps> bunny his young wife has been kidnapped mm-hmm and they're and it, asking for a million dollars for yeah, ransom. No funny stuff. No, no cops. Mm -hmm. And he so wants, they want dude to be the courier. They want dude to be the guy who drops off the money. Right. And um, he agrees because they're going to pay him. Right. They're going to pay him if he right. if he doesn't. They're, they're going to give. I think they they're going to give him twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to the Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. A man dressed all in purple. He's got a super long pinky goddamn coke finger. 
or fingernail, excuse me. <laughs> fingernail, yeah. His his they lovingly shoot him. Mm-hmm. They're they're like, oh, yeah. this is a gift to Totoro. And apparently this character was based on a on a character that he played on stage. And they're like, Hey, you wanna we're, we're gonna basic, hey, do you wanna play a pederast? And he's like, sure, why not? And boy oh boy, does he grab this character with both hands, doesn't he? Oh he my is, god, yes. For someone who only appears for maybe a maximum of three and a half minutes in this movie, you get you see him lick his fucking pink ball and throw a strike and then do a dance while pointing at the audience. We cut to the uh, Lebowski, you know, the dude's team all staring at him. <laughs> and then what is what does Walter do? Walter just turns to him and he he says, "What is it? He's a pervert. He's and a pederast. Like, yeah, no, yeah, he's a pederast. No, seriously, dude. He had to do what, Steve? <laughs> he had to. He had well, when he moved into his neighborhood, he had to go around and introduce himself. So we get a little cutscene of him doing that to someone who uh, may have probably beat him up. Yeah. And so now they're cut. They're talking, and this is the first time that you know Jeff says, "Oh, she killed. She kidnapped herself. She wanted some money out of the old yeah. man, so she kidnapped herself." While they're watching uh, the Jesus and another one of his teammates polishing their fucking balls in the most <laughs> masculine, masturbatory way you could possibly think of. And this again enrages Walter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, "The nerve of this strumpet." This. And he's, yeah, I love know. that he, he calls her a strumpet. Yeah. And this, again, this is something that Walter has completely invented in his imagination. Yeah, that's they right. have no. They have no, no have reason no to believe. Yeah, and the dude keeps saying that. The dude keeps saying, like, we, we have no evidence that, that she kidnapped herself. But Walter has absolutely convinced himself that that's what has happened. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, that so. gets interrupted by the Jesus telling him that they're going to he's going to fuck him up the ass during during the next uh, when they play each other for the, the semifinals. The dude is like, well, that's like your opinion. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the reasons why the dude is awesome. Uh, then the Jesus mentions that if Walter pulls a gun on him, <laughs> that he'll shove it up his ass and pull the trigger till it goes click. <laughs> Lebowski is like, Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, that's all right. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. And he walks off and you never forget that character for the rest of your life. No, no. Cut to home. Jeff is uh, listening to bowling. On a <laughs> he's listening back. to bowling while he's home. Yeah, the bowling tape actually has the date that it was recorded on it, right? And he's laying. He's just laying on his couch, and then all of a sudden, a woman appears above him with two thugs, and they punch him in the face, and he has his first weird dream. Right? Yes. Yes, indeed. In which you see him flying over Los Angeles, chasing a woman on a flying carpet that remarkably kind of looks like the woman that was he just saw. Hmm. And I'm going to bring it up here. So the only time you see Jeff, you see the dude with his eyes wide open is during the, the dream sequences. Like right. really like popped open. The rest of the time he's pretty casual if he's not squinting or if he's not wearing his black sunglasses. His right. eyes are usually... But in the dreams, his eyes are like almost cartoonishly wide open. Oh, yeah. Um, But he chases after her. Then he falls. Then he winds up in a he's tiny in a bowling alley. He gets stuck in a ball. And then the (laughs) same lady rolls him down the uh, rolls him down the uh, bowling lane to strike the pins. And then he wakes up and 
Yeah. The rug is gone. The rug that he took from the Big Lebowski has been taken. Yeah. That's right. So he gets go he goes back to the Lebowski's. Brandt gives him a suitcase full of money. <laughs> And or so they say, or yeah. whatever it is, a brick. It's a huge. Yeah. It's a mobile phone. It's just. It's just one of one of the one of them early '90s cell phones that you carry over your shoulder with a strap. Mm-hmm. Brandt repeatedly says, "Her life is in your hands, dude." He's like, "Oh man, don't say that. Her life is in your hands." <laughs> and then, for whatever reason, the dude brings Walter along. Yeah. Yeah. And the first thing Walter says when he gets into the dude's car is here, hold the, what does he say? Hold the, not the dummy. It's the, uh, oh, I forget what he calls it. Yeah, yeah I forget what he calls it. I forget what he calls it, but it's, it's a, uh, a, a, a suitcase full of his dirty underwear. That's right. That he is planning to give to the kidnappers instead of the briefcase full of money. That's right. And the dude is like, we can't do this, man. Her life is in her hands. Brant calls while they're on their way out there. He he accidentally hears uh, Walter in the background because Walter will not shut up. And um, now the dude is saying her life is in our hands. Walter's convinced this is all bullshit, right? He has convinced himself that Bunny has kidnapped herself because of something the dude said offhand while they were bowling, right? Right. They're getting close to where they have to drop off the the cash. Um, Walter dives out of the car with a fucking Uzi that's wrapped in butcher paper, which he drops yep. and it starts which shooting he immediately drops. Yep. He tosses his dirty underwear over the thing. He sees a motorcycle gang pick up the pick up the uh, the ringer. The, that's the, what the ringer. That's what, he, that's what he kept calling it. The ringer. Yeah, picking up the ringer and everything's gone tits up. And what is Walter saying? Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing gets through to Walter. Walter's just like, ah, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Got to the bowling alley. Walter's bowling. The dude's sitting there with the fucking phone. <laughs> Keeps ringing. He's not answering it. That's right. Um, this is one of my best favorite exchanges with Donnie. After they talk about what's going on, Donnie say, hey, your phone's ringing, dude. Thank you, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and, and Walter is pissed off because they posted the schedule for the league oh, that's right. yeah. bowling tournament, and mm-hmm. the, they're scheduled to bowl on Saturday, which enrages Walter because he, he doesn't roll on Saturday Yeah, because that's the Sabbath because he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Shammer Shabbos, he keeps shouting Shammer at Shabbos. people. Right. Shammer Shabbos! He can't do anything on that day. I don't fucking roll on Saturday. But they go out to the parking lot and what's happened? Dude's car is gone. That's right. Now, I want to point out a joke that is easily missed. The spot to show where his car was is a handicapped parking space. That's correct. So it's very easily, it could very well be that his car was just fucking towed because he was parked in a handicapped spot. But nope, his car is gone and the phone is still ringing because Brant's trying to get a hold of him because obviously the money wasn't picked up. That's when, that's when, (laughs) that's when Donnie says, your phone's ringing, dude. And he's like, thank you, Donnie, as he's walking off. (laughs) Cut to the dude's apartment where he's trying to tell two police officers about his stolen car. Yes. Without telling them about the briefcase full of a million dollars that was in the back. That's right. And um, he manages get to get through that, but then he gets a phone call to go to a specific location, right? Yes. It's like a warehouse. And as he's walking down, he can see like a canvas that has all this paint. And then all of a sudden there is a naked lady hanging from 
from some sort of suspension thing, throwing paint at a canvas. And we meet Maud Lebowski. Yes. And she wants the money back because her father took the money out of the Lebowski, the foundation fund or whatever. Right. And he shouldn't have. And she apologizes for him getting punched in the face, you know, to get yeah. because the the apparently the carpet that they that he took for himself was a gift that she gave her mother and her mother's dead. And so she wanted it back. Um, but she's like, if you can get the money back, you'll get 10%. Right. So he's like a hundred thousand right. dollars. Meanwhile, she also shows him a videotape of Carl Hungus. And the stupid fucking <laughs> porn that he made, along with Bunny. She explains that Bunny is a nympho. Um, I think that's everything, right? I, I hope. Well, and, and this is where we, we, we learn this is we learned that uh the reason that her father took the million dollars from the ch the charity is because he actually doesn't have any money of his own. No, that's later. Yeah, he she oh, just, we don't know. She don't finds out that, that he took okay. the money out of the foundation to pay the ransom. But he doesn't find that he doesn't find that out late until much later, okay. because that's like the big reveal that makes him rethink the what he calls a case, even though he's not a PI. <laughs> he is not. A, he is not a detective. Yeah, right. But what she keeps saying is, I want you to go see this doctor. You know, he won't you won't have to pay for it. And he's thorough. And he goes ahead and takes it. He gets a limo ride back from her with uh, Dom. What's his name? He's Dom Irera. Dom yeah. Irera. And yeah. as he gets out of the, as he's getting out of the limo, he says, "Hey, who's the Volkswagen bug that's been following us?" He looks back. He sees the Volkswagen bug. But before he can do anything, he gets manhandled by another limo driver and put <laughs> another, into another limo, limo driver. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the big Lebowski and Brandon. And they're upset because he never dropped off the money. That's right. And he's saying, look, man, it's obvious that she just wanted some money. So she kidnapped herself. I mean, you got to see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, that did not occur to us. And uh, why why are they so upset? Well, they hand dude an envelope that they say just arrived today. And he opens the envelope, and inside the envelope is a severed toe with That's green right. polish. Dun dun oh, dun! No. I will not suffer toes. another toe, sir. <laughs> yes. So the kidnappers mean business, and they're pissed that they didn't get their money, and they're cutting off toes, and it's all dude's fault. So of course the dude has to talk to Walter about this because Naturally. he blames of, Walter for the fuck up. And of course Walter's immediate reaction is, "It's not her toe, dude." Mm-hmm. You know how easy it would be to get a toe and put I love some green that. nail I polish love it. on it. He's like, "Well, what are we supposed to do? Be scared?" You ask me. I could I get, get you, you a toe. toe with, I could get you a toe. Oh, in ten minutes with polish. <laughs> you don't want to know, dude. There are ways. You don't want to know what those ways mm -hmm. are. <laughs> he starts going back into I didn't watch my friends die in the muck in Vietnam, screaming when the waitress has to come up and say, "Please keep it down. This is a family restaurant." <laughs> And he starts going into his his First Amendment argument. <laughs> the dude has had enough. He's like, this isn't a First Amendment issue, Walter. And he leaves and leaves Walter there. And he's like, I'm going to finish my coffee. Right. <laughs> Got to the dude in a bath. He's listening to whale sounds, getting high. Yes. <laughs> listening. He must have turned on his answering machine when, uh, oh, no, they call while he's in the tub. The, the cops say that he, they found his car. 
And he's like, all right, man, but who busts into his who busts it's, into it's, his it's Carl Hungus and the nihilists? The nihilists, and what do they have dun, with dun, them? Dun. A ferret. Um which a no fairy, one yeah, correctly dude, identifies. Yeah, by the way, dude keeps calling it a marmot, but he it's says, actually nice, a ferret. Nice marmot. Um, Carl Hungus picks up, picks up the, <laughs> picks it up, and just dumps it in the tub. <laughs> the dude freaks out, and they tell him, "We want the my God, I love them. We want the money, Lebowski, or what, Steve? Or we'll cut off your Johnson." That's right. And as they're leaving, you can hear Flea go, yeah, we'll take it. We put it on the <laughs> ground. We stomp on it and, and squish it. <laughs> uh, cut to the impound yard. <laughs> and his car is fucked up. His car, his car is fucked up. He, he can't even open the door on the driver's side. Yeah, of course, they, the briefcase is gone. They suspect that uh, probably a homeless person used it as a toilet. Because it's implied that someone shed or pissed inside it because it stinks. And it's he's one of like, my favorite. He, yeah. he asks the cop, he asks yes. the cop, do you have any leads? And, and he's the like, cop oh, yeah. is one of my, he, he, he plays it straight for like the first 10 seconds. And then he just, he can't help himself. And he's like, he, he starts just, laughing at his own joke. He's like, oh, and he's like, do we have any leads? Like it's, oh, it's he funny. starts off because, so oh funny. yeah, we're the entire department is not going to stop until we find it. We're working in yeah, shifts. They, they just assigned <laughs> four more detectives to the case. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts laughing. He's like, oh, yeah it's fucking hilarious oh god so um, he's driving no we cut to the okay they're at the bowling alley we're about at the halfway mark of the movie they're at the bowling alley the dude is relating all this stuff donnie is being donnie he's just kind of out of it walter is opinionating one of my favorite things was when 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 the dude tells walter that they were they weren't nazis because he was like these fucking krauts these fucking nazis and he cries them they weren't nazis they were nihilists which kind of blows walter back a little bit he says are we really going to split hairs here (laughs) and he's no he literally goes Jesus, nihilist dudes, say what you will about national oh, yes. socialism. But at, at least, least it's an it's ethos. A, at least it's an ethos. <laughs> oh, yes. They leave because, you know, they don't think that he's open to talking. They're going to go bowling. He's like, hey, Donnie, let's go bowling. They leave the dude there. And we start hearing the cowboy music that we heard at the beginning, Tumble and Tumbleweeds. Yeah. And it's kind of implied that so does the dude. Because yeah, he, he kind of reacts. Yeah. He looks to his left and who's there? It's the stranger. Well, and it's right. and if, I mean, of course, we know who it is because we know what Sam Elliott sounds like. But as soon as he yeah. opens his mouth, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, it's the narrator. So, yeah. Yeah. He's got a big old broom of a mustache, cowboy hat, jean shirt, leather vest. Yep. And, and he orders a sarsaparilla. Mm-hmm. Hey, you have any good sarsaparilla? Sioux City sarsaparilla, which was is my favorite at the time so i had these two awesome characters drinking drinks that i like one's drinking a white russian the other one's drinking a sarsaparilla and uh he tells him i like your style dude and he's like i like yours too but he's like could you just do one thing for me Did, you know do you have what is it you always have, you have to do you have to use so many cuss words and the dude replies what the fuck are you talking about man and then he just <laughs> Good naturely smiles. Yeah. He imparts no information. It's just a meeting of these two characters. Yeah. And then he goes, see you around, dude. And he 
walks off, walks off in the wrong direction and then turns to go in the other direction. Then the dude gets a phone call and it's Maud because mm-hmm. we cut to Maud's apartment, uh, loft, warehouse space, whatever it is. And we meet David Thulis, who uh, is there instead of Maud. And he's just basically there to giggle, as near as I can tell. You know, uh, the dude makes himself a, another white Russian. He talks to Maud because Maud wants to know where the music is. He tells them he thinks it was the Nihilist. She points out the spot on German album cover from the record that these three guys yes. produced in the in Autobahn. Autobahn. Um, and what else happens? Oh, she's, she says, you didn't go see the doctor. I want you to go see him. He's a good doctor and he's thorough. Then they get a phone call where both David Thewlis and her laugh. And then we cut to the doctor. And what does the doctor want him to do? To take his shorts off. That's right. And I guess the dude does it because we cut to him getting high in his car, drinking a beer while um, listening to, uh, it's not Fogarty. It's, uh, it's, it's CCR. It's Yeah, it's CCR. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what does he notice? Well, that blue, that blue Volkswagen bug is behind him again. That's right. So he turns down a street, drops the roach into his lap, panics, <laughs> freaks out, tries to <laughs> tries to pour the beer down so that he can. He's not on fire. He's just trying to make sure he doesn't sit on the on the roach and right. smashes into a fucking dumpster. The blue the blue. Uh, beetle is gone but he moved over from the driver's side seat and he can see a piece of paper smashed in there and he pulls it out and what is it steve it's a piece of notebook paper it's homework and the name of the student whose homework it is 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 written on it and it's somebody named larry sellers that's right cut to his landlord cycle (laughs) hey steve describe that for me will you Oh my God. So it starts out, he's like, he's behind a backdrop and you and you see him in shadow and then he comes out front and he's dressed in like a white leotard. No, it's a flesh colored leotard to make it look like a flesh colored leotard. Yeah, and, and it has yeah. like, and it has like plants, like leaves glued on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's, and he's, he's doing he has a little, laurels. A little, yeah, that's come. right. And, and he's doing a little modern dance for us. That's right. And yeah. who's there? Who's watching it? Uh, dude. Dude and uh, and Donnie and who's Walter. into it? Yeah, Donnie's, of course Donnie's into it. Donnie's yeah. like paying attention, and this is when the dude tells him, uh, you know, uh, Walter comes in and says he found uh, he found the kid whose yeah, name was Walter's on the been on the case. Yeah, and it turns out his dad was uh, his dad was uh, what's his name, the Sellers, well, Arthur wrote, Digby Sellers, yes, uh, <laughs> who wrote the bulk of. Um, <laughs> All of this TV show called Branded. They get so it's it's Donnie, Walter, and and the dude. They dude, pull up in yeah. front of the guy's house and they look, and there's a brand new red Camaro. And yeah. the dude's like, "Oh shit, he sold all the money." He's like, "No, you probably still have more than nine hundred thousand dollars. Don't worry about it." Donnie stays back in the car. They go to the house. They come in, and uh, where is the senior sellers? right now he he's in the living room in an iron lung that's right <laughs> walter tries to thank him for how much he appreciated his work on brandon and then he proceeds to try to terrify a 15 year old boy who has yes. who had to have been cast they said do a straight face we need to know what you look like with no emotion in your face at all because it doesn't change walter no. walter threatens is the first asking him is this your homework no response 
No the response. The kid gives him nothing. They try to tell him that there are people after him who will kill him if they don't, because all they want is the briefcase with the money in it, right? Right. Because they, the, the briefcase wasn't in the car when he picked it up. That's where it was when the car got stolen. And they think that he has the money. He's, he's been spending the money. Walter, again, gets very upset and tells him that he's going to show him what it's what it's like. <laughs> this is what it's like to fuck someone in the ass. Yes. Right? This is what it's like when you fuck a stranger, stranger in the ass. In the, uh, stranger in the ass. That's right. Yes. He goes to dude's car, pulls out the tire iron, walks up to the brand new Camaro and starts smashing the windows out, screaming, this is what it's like to fuck a stranger <laughs> in the ass. Another man in his boxer shorts comes running out going, what are you doing? I just bought that car. <laughs> this is my car. Takes the tire iron away from Walter and goes, I'm going to kill your car and runs <laughs> to the dude's car, which is already fucked up, which is already fucked up. And he fucks it up the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah. I killed your fucking car. And he smashes out the window. <laughs> Hard cut to the dude driving and Walter and Donnie eating in and out. Right, because they Donnie mentioned had said it during the dance recital yeah. that yeah, the, the the guy, the house they were going to, there was an in and out right around the corner, and Donnie mm -hmm. wanted to go get something to eat. Yeah, yeah. Cut back to the house, and the dude is nailing a board into the floor so that no one can just keep walking into his house. Yes, and, he, and it, 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 it's like a board from a cartoon. There are like mm -hmm. a million nails in it. Some of them are bent over. It's hilarious. He gets a call from Walter where he's apologizing, and the dude's like, I just want to handle this on my own from here on out. He puts a chair up against it, and immediately the door opens the other direction. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't even open that way. The, the, the chair is useless. The Jackie tree horn thugs are there and we cut to a whole bunch of young people playing on the beach well we cut to a woman uh, a woman with no top flying through the air and then it turns out that they're yeah, on, like, like on a, a trampoline or they're throwing her up in right. like a blanket or something a, yeah, a blanket yeah. yeah yeah slow walk in jackie tree horn walks right up to the camera and addresses us directly and that's ben gazzara we go up to his house and what does ben gazzara want he wants to know where the money is because he's owed money. He's yeah, owed he's money, the one who, yeah. who Bunny owes him money. That's the reason that dude was attacked in the first place, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is the guy that she owes. The dude thinks he knows where the money is, right? So right. Ben Gazar guarantees to pay him, what, $5,000 or something like that? Yeah. If he lets him know where the money is. The dude drinks two white Russians in this scene. Um, ben Gazar goes and answers a telephone call where he writes something down. The dude runs up to do a little detective work by scribbling on that, you know, by trying to do that charcoal yeah. sketch. It's, yeah, scrape over the uh, the, the to see to what see he what wrote was down on the, on the the page before. Yeah, all Ben Gazar did was draw a picture of a guy with a boner. <laughs> <laughs> the dude agrees to give him the information like an idiot because you don't do that. And uh, just like in the Maltese Falcon, he gets slipped to Mickey. Yep. After he tells him where it is, he says, it's this 15-year-old kid. He's got the money. He is out because yeah. his drink has been has been doctored. And the narrator comes back and he says, what is this? The dude fell into dark. What was it? Into darkness, blacker than a steer's took us. Um, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, what yeah. It. something like that. Yeah. And now we have the extended dream sequence. Yes. The, the really out there dream sequence where it's like it's like a musical number from like a 1940s 
Well, it starts like Hollywood a por- porno thing. because there are credits for it. Oh yeah, it that's right. And he's dressed, yeah. And he's dressed in like the maintenance outfit, like the guy mm-hmm. in the porno that they watched earlier. Yeah, and he's like dancing down the stairs, and and Saddam Hussein is the guy who's giving out the shoes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Saddam Hussein gives him his bowling shoes. Then <laughs> he dances down a stairwell, and then we have dancers who have these big pin hats. Right. And then him and Maud, who's for whatever reason dressed like someone from an, a woman from an opera, well, a German opera specifically. Yeah. And then he gets thrown down the lane and he hits the pins and then there's blackness. And then the music changes. And what do we see? It's the nihilists in red oh, jumpsuits right. yeah. with giant and scissors. They're, they're chasing him with giant scissors. Yes. <laughs> And he screams and tries to run away, and then it dissolves into him on the freeway where he's been dumped. Yeah, and the and cops he, pick him up. The, I love this. Scene. And he's in he's in Malibu, a nice beach community. My nice beach community, in which the guy he asks for ID. He only has a Ralph's card. He has, he has a Ralph's no like ID. loyal customer card. Yeah, this is the only ID you have. In which basically the guy says, "I don't like your jerk off face." Was that I don't like your jerk off clothes and I don't yeah. like you jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I'm sorry, man, I wasn't listening. So he does what all cops do. He throws his fucking coffee mug into his forehead and then kicks his chair over and starts kicking him, saying, Stay out of my bedroom, my beach community. Yeah. Now the dude is in a cab, the guy's listening to the Eagles. The guy's like, You don't like your music, you can get the fuck out. And he says, I'm having well, a really bad day. I don't yeah. want to listen to the fucking Eagles, man. He says, he says come on, man. I've, I hate the fucking Eagles. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, the cabbie immediately pulls over and drags him out of his fucking That's cab. That's right. And who tears out, uh, ass down the road? Uh, Bunny. It's, it's Bunny. And she's singing Viva Las Vegas. And, they and she has her all her feet, toes. And she's got <gasps> all of her toes. Walter was right. Mm-hmm. The dude gets home and his apartment has been fucking thrashed. Yeah. Um, doesn't he trip and fall over? He trips something? over the board. The he board trips over that the board that he nailed in there. Yeah. And while he's on the ground, um, Maud walks up, takes off. She wears only one thing in this thing, which is kind of this all-encompassing robe. That's all you yeah. ever see her in. She drops it off and says, Jeffrey, love me. And so they fucking have sex. We don't see it. We cut to them in bed. Which Actually, no, about. she's wearing, in that scene, she's wearing one of, she's wearing dude's robe because it's one oh. of my favorite it's one of my favorite lines because like when she she she's standing over him and she strips the robe off and she says you know love me and his immediate reaction instead of looking at her is to look at the robe and go that's my robe (laughs) (laughs) and then we cut the after they've had sex it's great so we're in bed they start talking about stuff jeffrey's past and all that stuff um he gets up because he coughed on the roach that he's smoking and this is when we found out about the big lebowski we find out about a couple of things first we find out that the big lebowski has no money none of the money is in his name they allow him to manage some of the charities well they let him manage one of the businesses for about two weeks and it didn't work out because he doesn't know what he's doing and so all the money was in her mom's name he doesn't control anything that's one of the reasons why he took the money out of out of the charity and as he's working this out in his head right she reveals that she's trying to get pregnant with his you know with him as the uh the donor he freaks out briefly until she explains i don't i don't want to have a child with anyone it's kind of like if someone wanted to have a child 
with you and they chose someone who doesn't want to have anything to do with children or not be a part of the child's life. Yeah. I can relate to the dude. Yeah. 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 Um, but he, you know, he kind of has a little bit of a panic attack. Then he calms down. Then he starts thinking about what he had just learned and he calls Walter and it goes to voicemail and he's like, Walter, pick up. It's an emergency. Walter picks up the phone because it's what, Steve? It's Shabbos. That's right. And he's not supposed to, he's not even supposed to be on the phone unless it's an emergency. He's allowed to break Shabbos if it's an emergency. Right. So he tells him to get down here because we need to, I need you to pick me up. When he goes outside, he sees the, the Volkswagen and he confronts the guy. And he's a fellow Seamus, which <laughs> what he says. Yep. The dude doesn't understand, but he's a, a private detective who's been sent by Bunny's family in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, Minnesota, I think Minnesota yeah. or whatever to find yeah. her. But he really loves the dude style because he thinks he's playing one, you know, one group against the other group. And, you know, and he's like, hey, let's get together. He makes the mistake. <laughs> what is it? He says, don't bother my my lady friend. Is what he keeps saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Walter shows up, picks him up. He tells him to stay the fuck away from him. We cut to a diner. In the diner, all the nihilists and one of their girlfriends. They're all ordering lingonberry. I don't know why I love this scene so much. It's I have have lingonberry pancakes. They have to wake Flea up. What do you want? Lingonberry pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) But we we pan down to the girlfriend's foot and what's going on with her foot. She's missing a toe. She's missing a toe. In the car, Mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges says, okay, so here's what happened. (sighs) Bunny went missing. And at the same time, he got a ransom letter. He had no intention of paying the ransom. So the briefcase that they gave him was filled with nothing, right? It was filled with, right. with uh, in his recreation of this, it's filled with phone books, right? Right. He said he had no intention of money, but it was a convenient way for him to make money disappear from the uh, the children's fund for the yeah uh, the little Lebowski Achievers Fund. Um, so he can get it for himself because he has no money of himself that he controls because he's a fucking fraud, right? Um, and that's, you know, basically what they figure out. What I love about this is in his recreation where they're showing, you know, Lebowski putting, you know, phone books in the briefcase and all that stuff, there's lightning going on. And we have, we have spent every day with these characters in Los Angeles and there was never a lightning storm, not once, not at all, but in the, in his recreation of it, there is. Um, so he tells Walter this, of course, how does Walter react? (laughs) Oh, he's not happy. No, he's not. He no, immediately starts no. calling him a gold bricker. Yeah. They they get they get to the Lebowski mansion. Bunny has crashed um <laughs> crashed her car. Her car into um the fountain. The fountain, yeah. Her car has a license plate that says La Pen, which is French for what? Uh bunny. That's or right. Or rabbit. Yeah. Um, They meet Brandt, who is trying to pick up her clothes because she is outside dancing around (laughs) naked. They tell him, don't go in there. He's in a bad mood. They go in there. uh, Jeff, the dude says, hey, I figured it all out. This is what you're doing. And he said, and the reason you got me into it, because no one would ever, who would ever, you know, you hired a loser because you knew I would fuck it up. Right. And, you know, and basically he's like, yeah, you did. And 
I'm not going to admit anything, but yeah, this is what this is what happened, and there's nothing. Yeah, you can you're do right, about but it. you can't prove it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. And and what does Walter do? Walter says, you know, he says, "I've seen um, a lot of spine know, jobs in my time. I've seen a lot of spinals, dude, and this guy's faking it." So he goes right. and he grabs old man Lebowski and yanks him out of the wheelchair. And it turns out, oh, no, he really does need the wheelchair because yep. <laughs> he just flops onto the floor and dude's like, come on, let's let's <laughs> come on. Let's help me get him back into the wheelchair. <laughs> let's get him back in his chair. And let's just get out of here. So cut back. Then to they, the bowl. they, they yeah. go back to the bowling alley. Yeah. Donnie does not throw a strike every time. We've and it's seen the Donnie first bowl. it's the first time in the movie we've seen him not throw a strike. Yeah. Yes. And he's dun, a little dun, put dun. off by that. He doesn't know what that means. But they go back. We missed a couple of things. One of them was. At some point, um, the dude got a message from the league saying that they heard of a report that uh, that Walter pulled a gun on someone and he was lecturing him about that, right? But that's not, you know, you can't do that during league play. Um, for some reason, the dude is painting his fingernails with clear acrylic. I think it's a bowling thing. <laughs> we see the Jesus again, who's pissed off because... Um, he couldn't because they rescheduled on the, the league play yeah. was rescheduled because of because of walters <laughs> walters insistence on saturday yeah in the car ride to the lebowski, lebowski man um, mansion that was all brought up about him and v turning everything into vietnam and you know and claiming all of this stuff about being jewish when his wife was the one that was jewish and they've been divorced for five years we also forgot that um, Walter has been dragging around this poor dog <laughs> the of his wives <laughs> this entire time. Anyway, the Jesus is pissed off. Yeah. He accuses them of Bush League. What was it? Psych out stuff that this is you yeah. know, they're doing it on purpose to psych him out. And he's like, it doesn't matter. We're going to we're going to kick your ass on that day. We'll kick your ass on another day. So we cut to them leaving the leaving the bowling alley. And there are the nihilists. And the dude's car is on fire. And the dude, and says, dude says, well, they finally <laughs> did it. They killed my fucking car. <laughs> <sighs> and what do the nihilists want? They want the fucking money. They want the fucking money. Yeah. And he's like, there was no fucking money. There was no, there's no, no money at all. It takes him a little while to get it. Donnie is like, are these guys dangerous? And Walter's like, no, no, Donnie, these men are cowards. And... <laughs> Yeah, and they're getting irate, and they're like, "What does Flea say?" Flea says, "Um, he his, his girlfriend cut her toe off." No, one of them says, "My girlfriend cut her toe off," and Flea says, "That isn't fair." And Walter's <laughs> like, "What kind of fucking nihilist are you?" <laughs> <laughs> they're all dressed in black leather. They're wearing the 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 fucking Super Bowl scooter caps. Yeah. Right. And Walter is standing up to him. Walter is like, he's not backing down. Then they say, well, just give us everything you have in your wallet, which is like Donnie has 21 bucks and, and the dude has four dude has Walter, like four dollars. Yeah. Walter's like, you're not getting any of it. And he's like, fucking come and get it. So the lead, Carl Hungus, whips out a sword. The other two don't have weapons at all. And we get to see just how much of a not a threat they are almost immediately. <laughs> uh, Walter throws his bowling ball into Flea's chest, who immediately goes to the ground with the wind knocked out of him. Um, uh, Carl Hungus attacks him without the sword. The sword drops to the ground. And what does Walter do? He, he, he bites his ear off. 
That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the third guy is is say is doing this fight move and saying, "What is it? I'll fuck you. I'll fuck you." He keeps saying it over and over, but he's not advancing on anyone. And then Walter comes up, grabs the boom box that he had, and knocks him to the ground. But what's happened? There is there is a casualty. Uh, Donnie has apparently the stress has gotten to Donnie. That's right. He is he's on the ground and he is apparently having a heart attack. That's right. So the dude runs off to go call an ambulance. Walter is Walter is telling him <laughs> that the medics are coming. He's using it like a Vietnam scene, like he's holding somebody yeah. who's died in war. And then we cut to the funeral home. Donnie yep. has died. Donnie didn't make it. And they're asking questions like, how much is this? He's giving them the answers. And then they finally say, what is it? How, what's the cheapest thing that we can walk, walk, walk out with? He gives them the amount. And then Walter says, is there a supermarket nearby? Is there a Ralph's around here? Is there a Ralph's around yeah. here? We're at the coast and Walter is carrying a fucking coffee can. <laughs> he gives a speech, which once again starts lapsing into fucking Vietnam crap. Uh, we find out that Donnie was a surfer that they actually didn't know a whole lot about Donnie other than the fact that he was a surfer and he liked bowling. He opens up the coffee can and the wind blows all of it onto <laughs> Walter. Just, it's, like he, it's like he shakes it directly and he doesn't even like hold it up and like let the ashes pour out. He just starts shaking it and throwing mm -hmm. the ashes everywhere. It's fucking hysterical. The dude gets angry at him. He starts talking about all the Vietnam stuff and all that stuff. But all Walter is saying is what? I'm sorry. Let's go. No, he says, he I'm keeps, sorry. And then he, say, he then says, he says, I'm yeah. sorry several times. Yeah. He seems genuinely sad. And he says, yeah, they hug him. And they said, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Yeah. After they hug. Right. Yeah. And we're back at the bowling alley. It must be early in the morning because they're cleaning the lanes right. and they're, they're sitting at the bar and, uh, you know, the dude's picking up a couple of beers and who's there at the bar. The stranger. The stranger. And uh, they have a little bit of an exchange. The stranger says, take her easy, dude. And he goes, well, you know, what does he say? The dude the abides. The dude abides. Yep. And now the stranger talks directly to us, which he hasn't done yet. Yeah, not on camera, right. And he's like. The dude abides. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he talks about how he's happy that there's another Lebowski coming. That makes him. He was sad about Donnie. Yeah. And uh, he stops himself from going on waxing too poetic. And uh, orders a uh, sarsaparilla as we pan over his shoulder to a dude who they can guarantee will get a strike because if they don't, they have to reshoot this fucking scene. They have to reshoot because this whole thing is like <laughs> one take. Yeah, that's right. And just and as bowls uh, a strike, just as soon as the pins hit, cut to credits. Steve, yep. Tell me yes. how much you love this movie so we can just get this over with. It's, it's. <laughs> if you honestly say I hate it. I, I oh, don't know God. what I'd do. I'd fall over. I don't, I would make sure that it well, was you that I was talking to. And I mean, well, and I would feel the same way if, if you didn't <laughs> like it because mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's wonderful. It's, um, it's like, we've mentioned a few times already. It's, it's a private eye movie where the main character is in a private eye. Nope. You know, um, much like the dude himself, uh, the movie always does what it needs to do without ever seeming to try too hard. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I love the most about it. I, I said something when we reviewed Babe that the movie doesn't try to be funny. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the same thing here. This is such a funny movie. Like yeah. I watch it and I laugh from beginning to end. It cracks me up consistently for the entire time I'm I'm watching it. Yeah. And it's because it's it's just funny. The, it's one the, of those the, rare musicals yeah. that gets funnier the more you watch it. The musicals are oh. like rare comedies. It gets funnier comedies, the more yeah. you watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of that is the, the Coens have this very unique and very intuitive sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are some jokes. There are a couple of, you know, sort of set up and punchline type things. Um, there are those fantasy sequences that are overtly comedic. And there's like the porn parody thing that is mm-hmm. like overtly comedic. Right. But for the most part, it's funny because the the laughs come from the characters and the actors and their interactions with each other and the way they handle the dialogue and the way they bounce off of each other. Um, Sam Elliott cracks me up during that closing monologue every mm-hmm. time I watch it. The look on his face. There are times when he's like looking, when he's staring right into the camera and it's like he's got a smile, but he's trying to hold back the smile. Yep. And it's like he can just, he knows how fucking ridiculous this is. And it's this close to cracking him up, but he's holding it together. And it just kills me. Like it just well, even fucking kills me. The stranger character recognizes it, that it's a comedy. His line in that closing monologue is, it sure did uh, get me to laugh to beat the band because he looks at it as a funny story. And so he views it as a comedy. He doesn't view it as a drama yeah. or an adventure story or anything like that, but just a yeah. funny story. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, it's, so it's, and um, I love the character of the dude. I love that he's not one note. No. Um, yes, he's laid back. Yes, he's a loafer. But when he's in danger, he reacts like a human being would react. Um, when his friends are being dipshits and making his life more difficult, or when he realizes that he's being screwed with by people, he gets mad. Or when he um, thinks that they got the girl killed. Yeah. Like, he's definitely a type, and he definitely he, he has a personality that makes him easy to caricature. Mm-hmm. But he's not a caricature. He's not a cartoon character. He has emotions. He has reactions. He has opinions about things. He doesn't. He doesn't have all the answers. He he gets flustered. He gets things wrong. He's a person, you know. And it's like for a lot. If you if you've never actually watched the movie, or you only know it by reputation, or it's one of those movies where you could, you know, a, a lot of people do impressions of the dude, or a lot of people quote dialogue from the dude. And mm-hmm. if the only if the only <clears throat> picture of the character you have is through that, you might think, well, it's like a one note. It's like a one note kind of typical stoner comedy about yeah. this guy who's just like a flat affect the whole time, and everything just rolls off his back, and he just shrugs at everything. And and that's not what it is at all. Um, He's a very active and very emotionally dynamic character mm-hmm. who just has this baseline that he always comes back to of, you know, the dude abides. Um, I love Walter. Walter is one of the greatest um, characters ever created for a movie. Wal- Walter is so great. And if any, I, I, I know a lot of our listeners to this show also listen to the Ensign's Log. Um, yeah. So y- you can probably guess why I love <laughs> Walter, because Walter is the sort of character that I love to play. Yeah. Um, he is a man of utterly unshakable and utterly unwarranted confidence. Mm-hmm. He always has something to say. He always has some advice to give. He always seems to know exactly what to do in any situation, but he's always wrong. 
He always overestimates his own abilities. Mm -hmm. He always fails and he never learns and he, he never changes. He manufactures manufactures outrage instantly. Oh, over the tiniest thing, over mm -hmm. things that might not even be real. Like when he just convinces himself that Bunny has abducted has is behind her own kidnapping and yeah. he becomes enraged at that he doesn't even know if that's what happened but he's no. already mad about it meanwhile <laughs> we see that there are things going on in his life that he should be upset about yeah the whole thing with his ex-wife yeah where he is apparently yeah. still hung up on yeah right and he's taking care of her fucking dog while she's yeah. on vacation with her current husband with her new yeah 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 or new boyfriend i think her new boyfriend whoever it is mm -hmm. yeah but yeah exactly um so you know and then went to all of that you add in his little quirks like making everything about vietnam yeah or or how attached he is to his judaism even mm -hmm. though as as we learn late in the film he wasn't even born jewish he converted because of his ex-wife Mm -hmm. who he's also watching the dog for. Um, I mean, John Goodman has said that playing Walter is the most fun he has ever had as an actor. And I, <laughs> and I don't doubt it for a second. Nope. I mean, all of the actors in this movie seem like they're having a good time, but it's like, if you could pick one of these major characters to play, it's like, who wouldn't want to play Walter? That's yep. just such a fantastic character. Mm. Um, I love Maude. I mm -hmm. love Julianne Moore is one of my favorite actors in the world. And she's so good in this. She has one of the funniest, most impenetrable deadpans I've ever seen. Yeah. She has the ability to take on this just absolute dead eyed, humorless, completely serious affectation. And I mean, she's just she's a brilliant uh, tongue in cheek comedic actor. No. And when and when she's in that mode, like she never blinks once. And she says some of the most ridiculous lines in this entire movie and makes you believe that she means every single word mm -hmm. and that being funny is the last thing she's trying to do. No, she's and not that's trying what to makes hit a punchline. Yeah. No, when she says when she's describing her artwork to dude when they first meet and she's like, it's been described as highly vaginal. And men, she says it like completely men seriously. Are men are what is it? They are disturbed by that word by that Vagina. word yes <laughs> <laughs> she's just fantastic mm. um and i mean the entire cast is brilliant and, yeah and the the you know we mentioned john torturo a few times steve buscemi i mean they're all they're all fantastic uh the script is hilarious and it's the movie is funny because the coens are such brilliant storytellers and because they don't make one note movies the movie is funny in so many different ways there's funny mm -hmm. dialogue there's situations that are funny because of the contrivances that lead into them and the misunderstandings that result from them there's mm -hmm. physical humor there's you know fantasy sequences and dream sequences and porn parodies and i mean there's just there's so much different kinds of comedy on display and it's all funny and it all works on yeah. its different levels um and this all happens in this plot structure that is lifted right out of a film noir mm -hmm. um it's a private eye story it has all the tropes it has all the twists and turns all the like the mounting contrivances where you know okay dude's hired by these guys to do this but then there's this other guy who hires him to do this other thing and you know like it just keeps the the complications just keep mounting and mounting and mounting just like mm -hmm. in a, a classic detective story until that um, one key bit of information 
yeah, that brings yeah. everything into focus. And then it's like, oh, now I, and then and they have that scene where dude yep. explains what's going on, even though he's mm -hmm. not a detective. He has no, you know, he um, even though he's now yeah. calling it a case. He's not a detective, and he's also he's also not like a classic film noir hero, you know, who's not a detective. He's not like, you know, he he just he doesn't care about any of this. Like it's purely just a case. All he wants is his fucking rug back. Like that's mm -hmm. you know, he did he doesn't have any attachment to this other than like they pissed on my rug and I just want a new rug, man. Like that's yeah. all that's that's the only thing he has at stake, but he finds himself mm -hmm. drawn into this web of of, of intrigue and complication yeah. um and again the weird little details that i love the little twists in the private eye formula like we have a narrator as private eye stories often do but this time for some it's... reason the narrator is a cowboy an unnamed cowboy who breaks the fourth wall an unnamed cowboy yeah who breaks the fourth wall who is aware that he is watching a story that he is also mm -hmm. in um it's just i mean it's just fantastic they, they and the the cohen brothers are among the best filmmakers of their generation because they make movies that only they could or would make mm -hmm. and the big lebowski is it's probably their most popular movie among general audiences among people who aren't film nerds who don't really know the cohen's as the cohen's they're just they just know this movie and think it's funny yeah um it's probably their most likable movie and their most compulsively watchable movie. Raising um, Arizona is still raising one of those, Well, yeah, you know. Raising Arizona is fantastic. And, and again, similar, very similar sense of humor and similar mm -hmm. sort of sensibility. Um, if, and if you look at it that way, I mean, Big Lebowski can kind of be like a, a revision of Raising Arizona. It's like this is they're doing the same kind of comedy, just, you know, 10 years later or so when they've got a lot more experience under their belt. They've calmed these kids, the characters yeah. in Lebowski, even though they are kind of exaggerated, they're nowhere near the exaggeration in Raising Arizona. No, it's not nearly as heightened. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the funniest Coen Brothers movies. And I, I think it's one of the best Coen Brothers movies. And it's, it's very nice to see that a few years after it came out, and didn't make a lot of noise and didn't get a lot of attention that it was sort of rediscovered and and now it is widely appreciated as being what it is which is a a, a great film so there mm -hmm. you go that's what i think your turn hey my turn the cohen's if you're going to say that there are two tropes that the cohen's continually return to it's noir and westerns two uniquely american film genres right Yes, noir went over gangbusters in Europe. The French love noir. They took noir and they've made it their own in the French New Wave. But noir and Westerns were uniquely American. And you can see in a lot of their movies, not all, but in a lot of their movies, especially in their strongest movies, they borrow from one or the other. No Country for Old Men, that's a noir, another noir Western, right? Different from a lot of other noir Westerns. It's still a drama and they get, and the characters are taken very, very, very seriously. The Man Who Wasn't There, noir. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say the Hudsucker Proxy necessarily. I think that one was a little, you know, disjointed or uh, what was the one? It's not Miller's Crossing, is it? It's Miller's Crossing. That's their oh, yeah, gangster yeah. movie. That's their gangster movie. Um, 
But when they are either doing something in the South or they're doing a noir and not all the time they've broken out. They've done other thing. Um, what is it? Finding Llewellyn Davis. That's not really it, but there's a lot of their best remembered strongest movies kind of fall into those categories. Barton Fink yeah. is a weird noir. It is, it is maybe my favorite Coen brothers movie, which is why we're probably going to have to do it for my birthday at some point. But <laughs> this is another one where they took two, and kind of combined them less on the Western, more on the noir side. And you're right, beat for beat, they hit every noir trope. You know, rich guy needs a private eye to do something. The femme fatale, which you could say is Maud, right? Yeah. Except it turns out she's not, you know, double crossing, you know, the dude. Um, it becomes such a noir thing that, you know, even I've mentioned this already, the dude starts referring to it. <coughs> As a case, he said, yeah. oh, my head's been turned around on this case. And it's like, you've never done this before. You just told us the last time you were employed was when you were a roadie for Metallica. You're not, <laughs> you're not a private detective, dude. But even the actual private detective who has been sent to find Bunny thinks he's a private detective. Yeah. And looks at him as doing something that a private detective does. Oh, you're playing one side against the other. You're you're fantastic. Hey, you want to pull our resources, you know? And basically, he tells him he's confused, and he tells him fuck off and stop bothering my and stop bothering my lady friend. <laughs> um, so they hit all of those beats without it being too overt, right? Yeah. Without them saying the stuff out loud. There are no unimportant characters. And what I mean is every single character that we're introduced to, even if it's the two thugs that beat him up at the very beginning, try to drown him in his toilet and pee on his rug. Those two idiots who technically start this entire thing because they're too dumb to realize until after they've broken into his house that he's not a rich millionaire who's married to Bunny Lebowski. You remember those two guys, right? Do you remember the sheriff who's only in yep. the movie for two and a half minutes? I still remember. I still remember that last line because I love it so much. I hate your jerk off face. I hate your jerk off clothes. And I hate you jerk off. <laughs> and stay out of my beach community. <laughs> yes. The driver, the, the, the cab driver that is driving him away from the sheriff's office, who is pissed off because he's been told to turn off the Eagles music. I remember him. I only saw the back of his head. <laughs> I remember him. The, you know, the throwaway um, with the, the apartment manager who says, oh, by the way, dude, you're three months uh, late on your rent. And also I want you to remember, I got my, I got my venue, come see my cycle. And then we get that paid off later. And there's no reason for the dude to be there other than him being a nice guy, right? Yeah. Donnie seems to be enjoying himself and Walter's Walter is fixated on the on the teenage kid. It's kind of like so there are of course characters that don't normally appear in 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 noir um and those two would be Walter and Donnie. You never get those people. So it's kind of like noir but the three stooges were the main characters <laughs> yes and you know you remember almost everybody that you're exposed to if they want you to remember them right yeah so it's like jackie treehorn 
Carl, you know, Carl Hungus, all of these people have teeny <laughs> tiny little things, but you remember all three of the nihilists by the end, because there's just this whole movie where he's been afraid of them, this whole movie, and they've built them up and built them up. And finally, when you have the confrontation, they're fucking morons who's scared of themselves. Yeah. Right. With especially the tall one who's just swinging at nobody going, I fuck you. I fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of the it's one of those rare movies where every time you watch it, you get something back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen it. I, it's, it's probably way too many times for me. But ever since I saw it in 98 and then when, you know, it finally made it so I could own it, I immediately purchased it. Um, every time I watch it, I enjoy myself. I will fall. If I want to fall asleep, I'll put on the Lord of the Rings. You know, I'll put on the Lord of the Rings, fall immediately to sleep if I'm having trouble sleeping. I don't even make it past there's something something in the world has changed. I don't even make it past that. It's I'm out like a light because I've seen it a million times. <laughs> put on a Star Wars, put on Star Wars. I'll be out before the title scrawl is even done, before the intro. Um, I put on the big Lebowski and I'll watch the entire fucking thing from beginning to end. Yeah. And that is, it's like Goodfellas. It's like any, it's like one of these, but it's like the thing. It's one of those movies that every time I start watching it, I finish watching it. I don't even want to pause it sometimes. I'll just sit there and watch the whole thing. And that's because there is so much packed into it, but it seems yeah. so simple and yeah. easy. It's well shot. You get into, you get involved in the characters until eventually almost everything that Jeff Bridges does in this movie is fucking hilarious. Like almost everything. <laughs> yep. Because you get to know the character and you start picking up on little, little things, you know, when she's asking him, do you like coitus? What is it? And he's, he doesn't know how to react to it. Um, every interaction that he has with someone, he's being that character, but he's being exposed to people that he's not used to being exposed to. And the one time he thinks he's getting over on somebody with Jackie Treehorn, they fuck him, slip, slip him and Mickey Finn. <laughs> and what's the last thing he says before he passes out? All the dude wanted was his rug back. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he wants. Get the money the doesn't, together. The money doesn't seem that important. Right. I mean, there's some motivation about him getting it, but he's not heartbroken at the end of it that he didn't get any money in this entire mm-hmm. this entire transaction, all that stuff that went on. You know, they're not even that broken up about Donnie. And that's because they manufactured Donnie so that you wouldn't get that broken up about him. Not even us, right. the audience members. Donnie was was the guy that Walter would yell at because he kept saying, I am the walrus. I am the walrus. <laughs> Shut the Until fuck up, Walter, Donnie. What? V. What is he? He gives his full name. Oh, he gets yeah, because he gets yeah. the wrong yeah, he gets the wrong Lennon. He gets the like, wrong yeah. Lennon. Um, but it's it's if you don't like it and you see you watch it and you go, well, this is weird and it's a mess, and I don't understand what's going on, and why do I care? I care about Walter as sure. fucking as fucking reactionary and um He's just he's you you ask yourself at some point when you watch it, how are these three people friends? How yeah. are the dude and Walter friends? Because you get the feeling that they've known each other forever. More than likely they met through bowling, you know. That seems to be likely, yeah. Um, and then somehow Donnie wound up with the three of them and now they're a bowling team. Um, but you ask yourself, how are they friends? How are they 
still together. You get a little bit of that at the very end after they, after, because the dude starts yelling at Walter about everything after they toss Donnie's ashes. And Walter just stands there and keeps repeating over and over again, not yelling. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if you guys think that that came out of nowhere, he does it over the phone earlier. That's true. Yeah. Calls dude because he keeps saying, I'm sorry. And you hear the dude in his reactions. He goes, I know you're sorry, Walter, but I've got to do this thing. I think I'm just going to do this on my own. So they must have some sort of compulsion to do stuff together mm -hmm. because every time something comes up, Walter is there. Walter is there for the handoff. And it's not like for the no dude, reason for like, no yeah, reason like, dude dude goes and picks him up it's not like walter gets in the car and dude's like what are you doing dude goes yeah. and picks him up and he sees that he has a briefcase and a poorly disguised uzi machine gun wrapped <laughs> in butcher paper so it's this for me this movie is a joy i every time i watch it it's great you know i don't watch it on the reg but you know, if I catch it or if I'm in a mood, I'll watch, I'll, I'll watch the big Lebowski because I love it. There are subtle things in there that you maybe you won't, you maybe you won't pick up on. It took me a long time before I realized the difference between dream Jeff, uh, dream dude and waking life dude. Right. Um, who's the stranger? I don't give a fuck. I don't care yeah. if he represents something or not. He's just part of the movie. Exactly. And it's, yeah, you're, I don't think you're really meant to waste a lot of time trying to work out who oh, he is. Oh, I'm, like, I'm sure there are people the guy, who are like, what does he mean? He's the Why narrator. Is he in that? Yeah. Exactly. No, he's the narrator. And what's great about him, he's not one of those infallible narrators. It's obviously he knows the story. <clears throat> but what I love about him is he gets caught up in his own narration and gets lost. Yeah. Because one of them, well, he just literally says... Oh, I, I lost what I was saying. He's, oh, shoot. <laughs> he, he's there. He's not. He's there to create mood, mm -hmm. you know, and establish tone. He's not there to do exposition or to tell us things that we can just as easily see yeah. on screen. Like a lot of the things, a lot of things that make badly done voiceover bad. Like he doesn't, mm -hmm. he's not there for any of that. He's just there to, mm -hmm. in, to add another layer to it and, and to give it a, a certain mood and a certain tone. And it's perfect the way they do it. There's part of me that when they were writing it and they knew they were doing noir, that the narrator should probably be the dude, but how the hell do you do that with that kind of character? Yeah. And so they said, okay, well, let's have someone else. And they said, fuck it. Let's make him a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Cause why? Cause yeah. Like, fuck why, it. why the fuck not? <laughs> why not you're never gonna forget him he does no. nothing in the in the course of the the two times that he interacts with the dudes nothing is really exchanged that's meaningful or points him in another direction he's just there to say oh yeah i'm still here and i'm paying attention and that's it yeah yeah um to give him a couple of compliments and 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 that's it and then a comment at the end and uh, i mean he even says something he says something weird because he seems to have foreknowledge of what's going on but he also says I sure hope they make it to the semifinals. Like he doesn't yeah. know, right? What's yeah. coming up. So is he watching this for the first time or because he says, this is a story that, you know, where he won't feel gypped when he's, he'll die with a smile on his face. Yeah. I was like, so do you know it or do you not know it? doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking yeah. matter. Just laugh at the funny narrator. He's a, <laughs> he's a fucking cowboy with a giant mustache plopped into the middle of this movie. <laughs> Who drinks sarsaparilla and Who's doesn't drink, cuss? Does not cuss, <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs>
doesn't get upset with the dude because he cusses because he's accepted. That's, that's yeah, who I like the that. Dude is. Yeah, you pointed that out too. I like that's a nice little detail. Like he asks dude not to cuss, but when it becomes clear that dude's not going to do that, he doesn't judge him and he doesn't it. get yeah. mad. Mm-hmm. He's just like, okay, all right, <laughs> thought I'd give it a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love it, Steve. Classic, very much so. Classic. Yeah, me too. Classic. Now, Steve, not recommend something. Oh, let's take a trip to the opposite end of the spectrum. No. Um, Big Lebowski is one of the best movies of the 90s. I don't I'm now go. going to not rec- I am now going to not recommend one of the worst movies of the 90s. Okay. It's got it's got some detective stuff in it. Okay. It's got some attempts at comedy in it. Okay. It's directed by Gary Marshall. Oh, goodbye. I don't fuck this no no put your ears back on cowboy i put my ears back on and get ready to take him right back off because the movie i'm not (laughs) recommending is exit to eden oh my god remember that That came out the same year as this no that's your gimmick that's not my gimmick oh right this came out this, this came out in 94 so it came out a few years prior Mm-hmm. So Exit to Eden, for anybody who doesn't know about this movie, it was, um, it's a quote-unquote comedy. It's a shitty directed, novel from Anne Rice. And here's the thing. The novel by Anne Rice, which I have never read because I have never been a particular fan of Anne Rice. I'm, I'm sure she was a lovely person, but I've never read any of her books and I've never felt any anything pulling me towards them. Okay. <laughs> but um, she wrote this book and uh which apparently was not funny was not supposed to be funny no and was and was also not a detective story it was a smut novel it well yeah it was just it was exactly it was like a an erotic thriller kite kind of thing you yeah know, or like a, a romance novel or whatever um so gary marshall says i want to make a movie based on this book but i want my movie to be funny it's a comedy so he wrote so he wrote a, a new plot to go alongside the stuff that they adapted from the movie about a couple of wacky detectives chasing jewel thieves Tell them at who, this sexy who, resort. Tell them who plays them. Well, one of them is played by Rosie O'Donnell, mm. who, who certain people have certain feelings about. I've never had a, a, a huge problem with her, but, you know, certain sure. people do not. And her partner is played by one of my least favorite actors ever, someone who I am never happy to see in any circumstance, and that would be Mr. Dan Aykroyd. I know he wrote Ghostbusters. I know. He was in Ghostbusters. He was in Ghostbusters, unfortunately. Um, he was good in Dragnet. I love Dragnet. Oh, just, whatever. I mean, at, least, at, at least in Dragnet, he's not mugging while receiving a blowjob from a ghost. I'll give Dragnet <laughs> not nearly. because Actually, Dragnet does play a little bit more to his strengths because you know, because he's, he's playing, playing a set character. Yeah. He's... And, and yeah. And he's playing like, you know, the serious cop, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't really clown and mug and do all the shit that Dan Aykroyd does that I hate him for. Um, so, you know, yeah. Dragnet is actually one of the better movies in his filmography, but anyway, so exit to Eden. It's like, it's like half soft core porn, half just absolutely awful failed crime comedy and you try to kind of just mash them together and they don't fit at all there are times when the movie is cutting back and forth between the detectives and the 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 dominatrix character played by dana delaney who is a wonderful actor who did not deserve this i hope she was at least well paid for being in this movie Um, and 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 it's it feels like they're cutting between two completely different movies like 
it just it doesn't fit together at all no it's terrible it it's was, a gary marshall was, movie what do you want oh yeah that's and that's exactly yeah that's mean. yeah yeah it's awful it's awful 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 um so yeah if you if you uh enjoy the big lebowski and you just want just purely as a social experiment want to watch a film that is the exact opposite in every way watch exit to eden but otherwise i definitely do not recommend exit to eden there you go well as you guys know i'd like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie we just reviewed and it's 1998 and somewhere in Hollywood, someone said, give that prop comedian a movie. And they went, okay. And so they reached out to everyone's favorite prop comedian, Carrot Top, before he got weird about Bill Bodybuilding. And they said... <laughs> before he yeah. got jacked for some reason. Uh-huh. And let's put Larry Miller and Raquel Welch in it, and let's call it Chairman of the Board. What is it about? Who cares? <laughs> it's a Carrot Top what movie. Is it? It's a Carrot Top movie. <laughs> Do I have to say anything else? Uh, there was a plot about him being a surfer inventor and Jack Warden was in it. And, you know, about him as part of this inventor company, invention company. I don't. It's just fucking garbage. It's just garbage. Is Caratot known as being an actor? No. He's known as someone who would staple two fucking things together, pull them out of a trunk and show them to people. And they would laugh because people were yeah. fucking stupid in the late eighties. It's, so it's carrot top became a star because there apparently was a large audience of people who thought that Gallagher's act was a little too sophisticated. Was running a little stale. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, well, he was, he, he, Gallagher was over their heads. So <laughs> carrot top, it was like, Oh, this guy. Mm, yeah. I don't yeah. understand the symbology of smashing that pumpkin, but I like this carrot top man who, you know, who glued a <laughs> he has funny hair. He glued a CNC to a hammer. That's that's humor right there. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It's right at my level. Now that's not to say that all prop comedians are bad. Joel Hodgson was a prop. Joel comedian. Hodgson started as a prop comedian, absolutely. Yeah. Until he quickly wised up and did other things. <laughs> Well, and, and he found a way to work the prop comedy into MST3K in a way that made sense so he could get that out of his system and also sure. write actual funny stuff, you know, That's to go right. along with it. So it right. wasn't just here, look at this funny thing I made. It was within an actual humorous context, so it could be funny. Yeah. That's right. So don't see it. Chairman of the board. I don't think you can purchase it or rent it anywhere. I hope. I hope it's <laughs> I hope the only copy is It has been sandblasted from the history of our culture. Is that fucking Carrot Top's weird workout gym? Does he even does he have a show? Is he only Las Vegas right now or I don't know. He still occasionally will like pop up and stuff like as Yeah. A, if as they a, need like as a, a punchline. Punch yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Here we go. That was usually the time where I make Steve choose the next movie by giving him three movies that he does not know. But as I mentioned at the beginning, just to scare everyone, we forgot about a holiday in February, didn't we? It was called Valentine's Day. And by, uh, by we, I mean I. I forgot about Valentine's Day. Yeah. So we got to make up yeah. for it, don't we, Steve? Well, you say we do, so I guess we do. We do. Okay. We always do a Valentine's show and we're going to do it again because otherwise we'd never touch a romantic comedy or romantic film ever on this show. Right. We, we should at least give them a chance. And I don't. Th I, so here's the thing. I'm punishing myself. And well, technically, I'm punishing everybody because I just chose yeah. the movie that we're going to do. I told Steve about it. He's had time to acclimate. So that's why he's not screaming and running around. No. 
I've, now, I've worked through it. As I usually say, hey, you guys, rush out and watch this movie so you can get all the jokes. You don't have to ever, and especially this time. <laughs> you really don't. In fact, I implore you not to. I've never seen this movie. I only know it by its reputation. Steve, have you ever seen it? I have not. No. So you only know it by its reputation. That's true. Yes. So the next movie that we're going to review will either confirm its reputation or deny it or just say it's bad, but it's overhyped. The romantic movie that we're going to do for Valentine's Day is Geely. So... If you guys stop watching and uh, stop listening, it's fine. I, I get it. I get it. I yeah, said, we're we, going to we do Gili next. Some of you, hopefully some of the younger ones, don't even know what that is. So I'm going to say. Bless your hearts. Don't. Bless don't your go, hearts. Please don't go see it. It's got Ben keep Affleck. Your, keep your innocence. Keep your innocence just a little longer. Ben Affleck and J-Lo, right? That's who's in it. The movie that almost killed Ben Affleck's career, but somehow many, he was able to How many times does back. he get almost killed his career? How many shots it's, does he get at it's, that? He's, he's gotten a few bites at the apple, and I feel like he's, he's gotten finally... gotten a lot of bites at the apple. Fuck, Daredevil should have ended his career. Daredevil should have ended it. Gili should have ended it. Um, actually, I mean, there are some people that say his entire, like, post-Goodwill hunting era should have ended it because there aren't a lot of good movies in that you know that's where daredevil have... was that's where like reindeer games was oh yeah Phantoms. like he did so many oh, shitty movies Phantoms. ben affleck you the bomb in phantoms yo <laughs> so if you want to get all the jokes or wonder why we don't make another episode then go <laughs> um for our next review and that's it thanks you guys for uh listening in and for the patrons watching, until next time for Late Seating, this is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. I love you, but sooner or later, you're going to have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. What? I'm a what? You're a goddamn moron. I am? Me? Personally? Yeah, yes, you are a goddamn moron, yes. You, Jason, personally. Is this how you want to end the show? Like, for good? You need I know Gili is next. If you this is if you want to hurt my feelings so we don't do it, I understand. <laughs> but could you do it off mic for the love of God instead of doing it on the show where you call me a moron in front of our entire audience? Art, okay, are you are you really upset right now? Or yeah, I'm actually bit? pissed off. I'm really okay. angry. Okay, well, oh, I'm boy, <laughs> I just saw the fe- I saw the fear. You couldn't do Just it. You couldn't wash. keep it. No, of course not. I can't stay angry at that. You look at your are you, beautiful are you, face. Are you really mad? No, I'm not angry. I know you're never calling. <laughs> seriously, calling I love, me a moron. I, Jesus. Just, I love. I love the premise that, like, if I wanted to upset you, I would just, I would just start calling you a moron out of nowhere. Like, <sighs> you fucking idiot. Of, yeah, we've done a lot of things on this show, but just flat out just say you're a fuckhead you're a fucking moron like you for shit. no reason your opinions are garbage i don't know i'm what... just i'm just Angry's that mad Hulk is the best superhero movie what fucking <laughs> goddamn oh. were you dropped on your head as a baby you're jesus hitting, christ you're, you're hitting for the soft spots <laughs> i just love i'm that mad that i have to watch Gili. <laughs> That I'm like, fuck you. Actually, I know where this comes from. I think someone in a commentary on one of your videos that I appear in referenced that every justice they in regards to me, they said every justice oh, yes. league, every justice league needs a Batman. And That's I right. think it, it's angered you so much. Oh yeah. I'm the Batman. <laughs> How dare you? You come with, on my channel and say someone else is Batman. Sh- 
you should have written back and you should have written back. So does that make me Superman? And they, you'd run the risk of them saying, no, you're more like, you know, like red tornado, maybe or booster gold or something. Gold. I don't know. <laughs> I'd take red tornado. Red tornado is cool. I'd take red. Yeah, tornado. And like I wouldn't it. have to work that often. You know, I'd get a lot of time. off. <laughs> That's true. You'd get a lot of time off because you're broken a lot. Because <laughs> I'm broken a lot. He has a lot of moving parts. It's very he complicated, does. that robot. There's a you lot know? of upkeep. A lot, sure of that, a lot of mechanical stuff going on in make there. Make sure that robot has the stupidest power ever. <laughs> I make wind fast. Okay, why don't you just buy a fan? God damn you it. No Superman has super breath, right? Right. The Flash <laughs> can do exactly what you're doing, except we don't have to keep buying million dollar parts for a robot. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't need maintenance. No, we just buy him a few extra pizzas for his metabolism, and that's it. Superman can go up and sunbathe for a little while. He can do the same thing. I'm sure if we asked Batman, he'd come up with something that he can click off his utility belt and do exactly the same thing you do. So I um, wanders off. I I was reading some old Silver Age Superman comics recently because sure. I'm I'm doing a uh, I'm, I'm doing a video on my channel in the next couple of weeks about the uh, the story that Jerry Siegel wrote in 1961. That was mm-hmm. an imaginary story that told about the death of Superman, like Lex Luthor kills Superman. And then they sure. have like the, they have uh, the f- Superman's funeral, you know, and there's Superman, Superman's body. And it's he's green because he died of kryptonite poisoning. OK. And he's alive and he's lying in state. And like people are filing by to pay their last respects. And, you know, of course, like Lois is there and Perry and um, some like aliens from another planet who came to pay their sure. final respects to Superman. And then it cuts to. The Fortress of Solitude and watching the funeral on a monitor from the fortress are all the Superman robots. (laughs) (laughs) It's like six or seven identical (laughs) Superman robots and they're just huddled around the monitor watching Superman's funeral. It's so goddamn funny because you see that and it reminds you, oh, God, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. He had so many robots that looked exactly like him. So, you know, I'm sure they could. I mean, why do you need Red Tornado if you've got a bunch of those? That's right. In a closet somewhere. (laughs) That's right. All I know is I'm Batman. You, yes, apparently you are by by public acclamation. You are Batman. I don't know what drove that commenter to write that, but it's been a thorn in your mind ever since, hasn't it? I've been, it's been, I haven't slept a day since. Fucking call me a moron on my own goddamn show. As I feel Superman would say to batman you're a moron <laughs> you fucking moron not everyone can have superman's super brain that lets him think super things and be a super scientist even batman would be like what <laughs> where'd that come from what did you call me <laughs> i said you're a fucking moron then why did you what? give me the, the kryptonite bullet to kill you you doofus what's wrong with you <laughs> Do you really want the only man that could kill you have the bullet if you think he's a fucking moron? Robin, go cut me a kryptonite switch. (laughs) All right, that's it. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. We're going to talk about this moron thing once we're done. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. 
You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And thanks for listening. <laughs>